0: Chapter Fifteen Part Two of The Betrothed This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lonnie Small. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter Fifteen Part Two. By break of day. Lorenzo had been snoring for about seven hours, and was still, poor fellow, fast asleep, when two rough shakes at either arm, and a voice at the foot of the bed, calling, Lorenzo Tramaglino, recalled him to his senses. He shook himself, stretched his arms, and with difficulty opening his eyes, saw a man standing before him at the foot of the bed, dressed in black, and two others armed, one on the right, and the other on the left of his pillow. Between surprise, not being fully awake, and the stupidity occasioned by the wine of the night before, he lay for a moment as if bewildered, and then thinking he was dreaming, and not being very well pleased with his dream, he shook himself so as to awake thoroughly. "'Ah! Have you heard for once Lorenzo Tramaglino?' said the man with the black cloak, the very notary of the night before." "'Up, up, then. Get up, and come with us.' "'Lorenzo Tramaglino said Renzo. "'What does this mean? What do you want with me? Who's told you my name?' "'Less talk, and up with you directly,' said one of the bailiffs, who stood at his side, taking him again by the arm. "'Ah, eh, what oppression is this?' cried Renzo, withdrawing his arm. "'Landlord, hold, landlord!' shall we carry him off in his shirt said the bailiff again looking toward the notary did you hear that said he to renzo they'll do so if you don't get up as quick as thought and come with us and what for asked renzo the what for you will hear from the high sheriff i i'm an honest man i've done nothing and i'm astonished "'So much the better for you, so much the better for you, "'for then you may be discharged with two words "'and may go about your business.' "'Let me go now,' said Renzo. "'I've nothing to do with justice.' "'Come, let us finish the business,' said one of the bailiffs. "'Shall we carry him off?' said the other. "'Lorenzo Tramaglino,' said the notary. "'How do you know my name, sir?' "'Do your duty,' said the notary to the bailiffs, who immediately laid hands on Renzo to pull him out of bed. "'Hey, don't touch a hair of an honest fellow, or I know how to dress myself.' "'Then dress yourself, and get up directly,' said the notary. "'I'm getting up,' replied Renzo, and he began, in fact, to gather up his clothes, which were scattered here and there on the bed like the relics of a shipwreck on the shore.' And, beginning to dress himself, he continued, "'But I'm not inclined to go to the high sheriff. Not I. I've nothing to do with him. "'Since you unjustly put this affront upon me, I should like to be conducted to Ferrer. "'I know him. I know that he's a gentleman, and he's under some obligation to me.' "'Yes, yes, my good fellow, you shall be conducted to Ferrer,' replied the notary in other circumstances he would have laughed heartily at such a proposal but this was not a time for merriment In coming thither he had noticed in the streets a movement which could not easily be defined as the remainder of the old insurrection not entirely suppressed or beginning of a new one the streets were full of people some walking in parties some standing in groups and now without seeming to do so he was anxiously listening and fancied that the murmur continued to increase. This made him desirous to get off, but he also wished to take Renzo away willingly and quietly, since if he had declared war against him, he could not have been sure, on reaching the street, of not finding three to one against him. He therefore winked at the bailiffs to have patience, and not irritate the youth, while he was also endeavouring to soothe him with fair words renzo busied himself while dressing as quickly as possible in recalling the confused remembrances of the day before and at last conjectured with tolerable certainty that the proclamation and the name and surname must be the cause of this disagreeable occurrence but how ever did this fellow know his name and what on earth could have happened that night for justice to have gained such confidence as to come and lay hands on one of those honest lads who only the day before had such a voice in the assembly, and who could not all be asleep now, for he also observed the increasing bustle in the street. He looked at the countenance of the notary, and there perceived the irresolution which he vainly endeavoured to conceal. At last, as well to satisfy his conjectures and sound the officers, as to gain time, and even attempt a blow, he said, I understand well enough the origin of all this, It is all from love of the name and surname. Last night I certainly was a little muddled. These landlords have sometimes very treacherous wines, and sometimes, as I say, you know, when wine passes through the medium of words, it will have its say too. But if this is all, I am now ready to give you every satisfaction. And besides, you know my name already. Who on earth told you?' "'Bravo, my boy, bravo,' replied the notary, coaxingly. "'I see you've some sense, and believe me, who am in the business, that you're wiser than most. "'It is the best way of getting out of the difficulty quickly and easily, and with such good dispositions. In two words you will be dismissed and set at liberty. But I, do you see, my good fellow, have my hands tied. I cannot release you as I should like to do. Come, be quick,' and come along with a good heart, for when they see who you are, and then I will tell, leave it to me. Enough. Be quick, my good fellow. Ah, you cannot. I understand,' said Renzo, and he continued to dress himself, repulsing, by signs, the intimations of the bailiffs that they should carry him off if he were not very expeditious. "'Shall we pass by the square of the cathedral?' asked he. "'Wherever you like.' The shortest way to set you at liberty sooner," said the notary, vexed in his heart that he must let this mysterious inquiry of Renzo's pass, which might have served as the subject for a hundred interrogatives. When one is born to be unfortunate, thought he, just see, a fellow falls into my hands who plainly enough likes nothing better than to talk, and if he could have a little time he would confess all one wants without the aid of a rope. to speak academically, in the way of a friendly chit-chat, the very man to take to prison readily examined, without being at all aware of it. And he must just fall into my hands at this unfortunate moment. Well, there's no help for it,' he continued, listening attentively and tossing his head backwards. "'There's no remedy. It's likely to be a worse day than yesterday. What gave rise to this thought was an extraordinary noise he heard in the street.' and he could not resist opening the window to take a peep at it he saw that it was a group of citizens who on being required by a patrol of soldiers to disperse had at first given angry words in reply and had finally separated in murmuring dissatisfaction and what appeared to the notary a fatal sign the soldiers behaved to them with much civility having closed the window he stood for a moment in perplexity whether he should finish his undertaking or leave Renzo in the care of the two bailiffs while he ran to the high sheriff to give him an account of his difficulty. But, thought he directly, they'll set me down for a coward, a base rascal who ought to execute orders. We are in the ballroom and we must dance. Curse the throng! What a miserable business!" Renzo now stood between the two satellites, having one on each side. The notary beckoned to them not to use too much force and said to him, "'Courage! Like a good fellow, let us be off and make haste.' Renzo, however, was feeling, looking, thinking. He was now entirely dressed, excepting his jacket, which he held in one hand, and feeling with the other in his pockets. "'Ho!' said he, looking at the notary with a very significant expression. "'Here there were some pence and a letter, my good sir.' "'Everything shall be punctually restored to you,' said the notary, "'when these few formalities are properly executed. "'Let's go, let us go!' "'No, no, no,' said Renzo, shaking his head. "'That won't do. "'I want my money. "'I will give an account of my doings, but I want my money.' "'I'll show you that I trust you. "'Here, and be quick,' said the notary, "'drawing out of his bosom the sequestered articles "'and handing them to Renzo with a sigh.' Renzo received them, put them in his pocket, muttering between his teeth, "'Stand off! You've associated so much with thieves that you've learnt a little of their business!' The bailiffs could no longer restrain their impatience, but the notary curbed them with a glance, saying to himself, "'If thou succeedest in setting foot within that threshold, thou shalt pay for this with interest, that thou shalt!' While Renzo was putting on his jacket and taking up his hat, the notary beckoned to one of the bailiffs to lead the way downstairs. The prisoner came next behind him, then the other kind friend, and he himself brought up the rear. On reaching the kitchen, and while Renzo was saying, "'And this blessed landlord, where has he fled to?' the notary made a sign to the two police officers, who, seizing each hand, proceeded hastily to secure his wrists with certain instruments, called, in the hypocritical figures of euphemism, ruffles in plain language, handcuffs. These consisted—we are sorry that we are obliged to descend to particulars unworthy of historical gravity, but perspicuity requires it—they consisted of a small cord, a little longer than the usual size of a wrist, having at the ends two little bits of wood, two tallies, so to say, two small straight pegs. The cord encircled the wrist of the patient, the pieces of wood passed through the middle and third fingers, were shut up in the hand of the captor, so that by twisting them he could tighten the bandage at pleasure, and thus he possessed means not only of securing his prisoner, but also of torturing the refractory, to do which more effectually the cord was full of knots. Renzo struggled and cried, "'What treachery is this to an honest man!' But the notary, who had fair words at hand on every disagreeable occasion, replied, "'Have patience. They only do their duty. What would you have? They are only formalities, and we can't always treat people as we would wish. If we don't do as we are bid, it will fare badly with us, and worse with you. Have patience.' While he was speaking, the two bailiffs gave a sudden twitch at the handcuffs. Renzo bore it as a restive horse bears the jerk of a severe bit, and exclaimed, "'Patience!' "'Brave lad,' said the notary, "'this is the best way of getting off well. "'What would you have? "'It is an annoyance, I know, but if you behave well, you'll very soon be rid of it. "'And, since I see that you're well disposed, and I feel inclined to help you, "'I'll give you another little piece of advice for your good. "'You may believe me, for I'm practised in these matters.' go straight forward without looking about or attracting observation so no one will notice you no one will observe what you are and you will preserve your honour an hour hence you will be set at liberty there is so much to be done that they too will be in a hurry to have done with you and besides i will speak you shall go about on your own business and nobody will know that you have been in the hands of justice and you continued he turning to the two bailiffs with a severe countenance, "'Take care you don't do him any harm, for I will protect him. You are obliged to do your duty, but remember that this is an honest man, a civil lad, who will shortly be at liberty, and who has some regard for his honour. Let nothing appear but that you are three honest men walking together.' And in an imperative tone, and with a threatening look, he concluded, "'You understand me?' He then turned to Renzo, his brow smoothed and his face rendered, in an instant, more cheerful and pleasant, which seemed to say, "'What capital friends we are!' and whispered to him again, "'Be careful. Do as I tell you. Don't look about. Trust one who wishes you well. And now let us go.' And the convoy moved off. Renzo, however, believed none of these fine words nor that the notary wished him well more than the bailiffs, nor that he was so mighty anxious about his reputation, nor that he had any intention of helping him. Not a word of all this did he believe. He understood well enough that the good man, fearing some favorable opportunity for making his escape might present itself in the way, laid before him all these flattering inducements to divert him from watching for and profiting by it so that all these exhortations serve no other purpose than to determine Renzo more decidedly on a course which he had instinctively meditated, which is, to act exactly contrary to them. Let no one hereby conclude that the notary was an inexperienced novice in his trade, for he will be much deceived. Our historian, who seems to have been among his friends, says that he was a matriculated knave, but at this moment his mind was greatly agitated. With a calm mind, I venture to say, he would have laughed at any one who, to induce others to do something which he himself mistrusted, would have gone about to suggest and inculcate, if so eagerly, under the miserable pretense of giving him the disinterested advice of a friend. But it is a general tendency of mankind, when they are agitated and perplexed, and discern what another can do to relieve them from their perplexities, to implore it of him eagerly and perseveringly and under all kinds of pretexts, and when villains are agitated and perplexed, they also fall under this common rule. Hence it is, that in similar circumstances they generally make so poor a figure. Those masterly inventions, those cunning subtleties, by which they are accustomed to conquer, which have become to them almost a second nature, and which put in operation at the proper time, and conducted with the necessary tranquillity and serenity of mind strike a blow so surely and secretly and discovered even after the success receive such universal applause these when their unlucky employers are in trouble are hastily and tumultuously made use of without either judgment or dexterity so that a third party who observes them labouring and busying themselves in this manner is moved to compassion or provoked to laughter and those whom they attempt to impose upon those less crafty than themselves, easily perceive the game they are playing, and gain light from their artifices, which may be turned against them. It can never, therefore, be sufficiently inculcated, upon knaves by profession, always to maintain their sang or, what is better still, never to get themselves into perplexing circumstances. No sooner, therefore, were they in the street, than Renzo began to look eagerly in every direction, throwing himself about, bending his head forward, and listening attentively. There was, however, no extraordinary concourse, and though a certain air of sedition might easily be discerned on the face of more than one passer-by, yet every one went straight on his way, and of sedition, properly speaking, there was none. "'Prudence! prudence!' murmured the notary behind his back. "'Your honour! Your reputation, my good fellow!' But when Renzo, listening to the three men who were approaching with excited looks, heard them speaking of a bake-house, concealed flour and justice, he began to make signs at them by his looks, and to cough in such a way as indicated anything but a cold. These looked more attentively at the convoy, and then stopped. Others who came up stopped also. Others who had passed by turned round, and hearing the noise and retracing their steps, joined the party. "'Take care of yourself, prudence, my lad. "'It is worse for you, you see. "'Don't spoil it all. "'Honor, reputation,' whispered the notary. "'Renzo was still more intractable. "'The bailiffs, after consulting with each other by a look "'and thinking they were doing quite right, "'everybody is liable to err, "'again twisted the manacles. "'Oh, oh, oh!' cried the tortured victim. "'The bystanders gathered close round at the cry.' Others arrived from every part of the street, and the convoy came to a stand. "'He is a dissolute fellow,' whispered the notary to those who had gathered around. "'A thief, taken in the act. Draw back and make way for justice.' But Renzo, seeing this was the moment, seeing the bailiffs turn white, or at least pale, if I don't help myself now, thought he, it's my own fault. And he immediately called out, "'My friends!' "'They are carrying me off because yesterday I shouted bread and justice. "'I've done nothing. "'I'm an honest man. "'Help me. "'Don't abandon me, my friends.' "'A murmur of approbation, followed by more explicit cries in his favour, arose in reply. "'The bailiffs first commanded, then asked, then begged the nearest to make way and let them pass. "'But the crowd only continued still more to trample and push forward.' the bailiffs, seeing their danger, let go of the manacles, and only endeavored to lose themselves in the throng, so as to escape without observation. The notary earnestly longed to do the same, but this was more difficult on account of his black cloak. The poor man, pale in face and dismayed in heart, tried to make himself as diminutive as possible, and writhed his body about so as to slip away through the crowd, but he could not raise his eyes without seeing a storm gathering against him. He tried every method of appearing a stranger who, passing there by chance, had found himself entangled in the crowd like a bit of straw in the ice. And encountering a man face to face, who looked at him fixedly with a more terrible countenance than the others, he, composing his face to a smile, with a look of great simplicity, demanded, "'What is all this stir?' "'Ugh! you ugly raven!' replied the man. of raven!' "'A raven!' resounded around. Pushes were added to cries, so that in short, partly with his own legs, partly by the elbows of others, he obtained what lay nearest to his heart at that moment—a safe exit from the pressing multitude. End of chapter 15 Part 2